Welcome. This is the first, the first after show. We're going to be covering episodes one, two, three, and four. So hopefully you're halfway through your binge and we're going to keep you company through that. And the first after show starts now. You're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz. Welcome to the first after show. I feel like I just said that, but that was the big tease. Welcome. I am Christian Blatt, and we are going to talk about episodes one through four of the first, which is a Hulu series that you can binge. And if you haven't started, go ahead and binge right now. We'll wait. Come back to us. But uh, I am joined by Bianca Haas. It's Hayes like race. See, that was already. I should have led with that. I've already messed up. <laughs> I've already messed up the whole show. We should just cancel it. So, Bianca Hayes. Bianca Hayes. H A A S E. Exactly. It's absolutely confusing. All right. Uh, Angel. <laughs> yes. And uh, I've uh, done a bad job of uh, forgetting your last name. And Taylor. Very, Taylor. See, yeah. that's the easy part. I was <laughs> so, so focused on the Angel and not on Hell that uh, I was like, wait, I forgot the easy part. <laughs> yeah, if you speak Spanish, go right ahead. I don't. Well, you know, un poquito. But, you know, not not enough other than that. So, anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you Thank both you for being for here. Thank you for having it. And uh, Bianca. Yes. The first is your first show. It is my Very first exciting. After so Buzz welcome show. here to Afterbuzz. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, we're going to kind of have to move a little bit quickly because there are four episodes. Uh, you know, we were all talking before we got together to do the show. Let's just say it's kind of sort of a very deliberately paced show, and we were wondering how many episodes we should cover. I feel comfortable doing four episodes, and we will still have to just you know hit the ground running. But I want to take a moment, uh, Angel, your thoughts first, just sort of overall, and keeping in mind we're only talking about episodes one through four, right. but just your feeling on the show sort of as you're watching it, and uh, if this was a show you would have watched had you not signed up for this show. This is not a show I would have typically watched on my own. Um, it was definitely a little slower beat for me. Um, there was a lot of emotional depth, and I enjoyed that part of it. But as far as the storyline goes, I wanted, like, I'm so used to action and comedy. Um, this is just not one of my favorite genres. Right, but as you're watching it, uh, what were a couple of the things that really stood out that were well done about the show for you? Um, Sean Penn, obviously. Um, His expressions, his facial expressions, the way he um, emits his emotions did it for me. Um, I really also enjoy um, the chemistry between the characters as well, the camaraderie. Yeah, because this is a team that has to spend all this time together because they are going to, you know, get into a little tiny rocket and then spend all this time on Mars. 18 months. you really have to get to know each other. Uh, Bianca, as you sort of watched the show, what were some of your thoughts? Uh, You know, just just what stood out to you about the show? Yeah, um, I actually love this kind of content. I think anything sci-fi, I'm a sci-fi nerd. I'm going to just go ahead and categorize it as such. Okay. Um, I was... I was a little surprised because, to me, this was a show kind of marketed as a, we're going to Mars, it's all going to be all about space and uh, NASA, and it was really more of a character-driven show. Yeah, it's more like, we're going to Mars, you know, eventually. We will get there in five seasons. Yeah, at some point we will go to Mars. It's it's sort of like us in the real world. We'll go to Mars one day, you know, maybe. Yeah. We'll get there. But I really liked it, and I, I... 
don't personally know if NASA is in New Orleans, but I liked that they put it there because I thought it gave a lot of um, the city itself and the environment was kind of its own character. So Yeah, anytime a show is set in New Orleans, a good example is the Marvel series Cloak and Dagger is filmed in New Orleans. And instead of pretending it's somewhere else, you just embrace it because New Orleans is, first of all, an amazing city, but it's mm-hmm. one of the most unique cities in the United States. It, it, it can't look like anywhere else right. because it's New Orleans. It's Absolutely. identifiable. So embrace it. If I had to guess, it's filmed in New Orleans because Sean Penn lives there. But yeah, oh, could be a lot of reasons why there's good tax yeah. breaks and stuff I like know, that. I know, I was going to say, oh, yeah. Yeah. Bad tax, tax breaks. So it's usually what <laughs> yeah. it's about. So, uh, but yeah, and I, I just, anytime I see New Orleans on the screen, it just, uh, well, it makes me want a beignet. But uh, in any case, so the show was created by Bo Willeman, who also created House of Cards. So that's sort of like, you know, the first big streaming series mm-hmm. that uh, any of us really found. And uh, it's very different topic, but still dealing with some uh, political angles and storylines. So, uh, you know, that's a little bit more in his comfort zone. Right. So, uh, yeah, I find the show very interesting. And, yeah, it's mostly about character development and watching them interact. And, uh, you know, I think you're just sort of compelled with what these characters are going through. You know, there's uh, some great moments for Sean Penn as Tom Haggerty, sort of our main character. Mm-hmm. But also uh, Kayla, portrayed by Lisa Gay Hamilton. I mean, just there's so much anger beneath the surface. So much because, strength, too. Though. So much strength. Yeah. But she's so she's she's angry and she knows she's not allowed to be angry about like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not in charge anymore. This right. this this national hero who walked on the moon, he's going to replace you. And, you know, she gets it. She's like, yeah, that's the way it is. But that doesn't make her any less frustrated. So uh, I think that the casting in general is great, but they, the two of them really stand out. And uh, there's, we have some great scenes with the two of them. Uh, so let's start off talking about episode one that is called Separation. And it, as you're sort of watching it, you kind of get the feeling, you know, they're, they're building up to this big, this big launch but at the same time, you feel like, you know, you've watched enough movies and television. Something's going to go Something's wrong. Something's not yeah. going to go well. Yeah. They can't and give you what you want right from the get-go. Yeah, like <laughs> episode one, we're on our way to Mars. Let's yeah. go. No. And, <laughs> you so know, much. even knowing what is coming, just sort of, you know, it, it doesn't make it any less tragic to sort of watch the way the it families was. and the spectators yeah. react. Uh, we were talking before this show uh, about... Uh, I'm I'm a little bit older than both of you, which is nice to say, just a little bit. Uh, but uh, when I was 10, the Challenger disaster happened, and that was in January of 1986. And there are some very clear parallels. It you know there's there's also a uh, the space shuttle Columbia burned up on reentry in 2003. Uh, so that's the other major disaster. But that was after their mission on the way back in the Challenger. It was just like this. And, you know, you saw the people watching. There was a, They were sending the first teacher into space. Her name is Krista McAuliffe. And, the, you know, it, it, so that is burned in my memory. For I was 10, so, like, I certainly understood that, oh, this is really bad. Yeah. And they used some really powerful imagery in the show, just the explosion itself and then the fact that it sort of stays up there in the air for a while, which, which is what happened. Um, and there is a, a great... Well, it's, you know, it's a very upsetting moment, but there's a great moment where, you know, Tom immediately rushes there to get the, the all the celebratory yeah. things away. But a balloon 
sneaks away and it goes up into the ceiling and there's footage from the Challenger explosion at the school that Krista McAuliffe taught. And I haven't seen this in years and I still remember it vividly mm. that there, there's a kid holding a balloon and he just lets go of it because, you know, the they, see their, they see their teacher, you know, yeah. she, they know she's on that ship. Yeah. So they did a great job recreating that and, you know, it just tra- – because you have to sell – how awful this moment is because yeah. there's these characters there's these astronauts who train to go to mars and we get to you know we're like just starting to get to know them and they make a point we get yeah. to see their families we see them interact and the banter and all of that mm-hmm. uh so bianca uh just give us your thoughts about as that part of the story is unfolding if if you felt pretty confident that something bad was going to happen and even knowing that how you felt as you watched it I think, you know, it, it. you could feel kind of the ominous setup for it. Even though it was supposed to be positive, you knew that something was going to happen. But I think what's best about that is it's interesting in a world where it feels like now everything that we attempt goes right. You know, we are having self-driving cars, um, sure. all the technology. We haven't had any major disruptions in our technological advancement. And it was an interesting reminder that things do go wrong. And it sets up the the real pressure that it now has put on all of our main characters. I think by showing what you were saying, really establishing how awful of a situation this was and all of the people that it affects that these people have families it's not just the loss of life from the actual spaceship it's it's the detriment that it gives to all of the people close to them and all of the people who maybe weren't close with them but worked on creating this opportunity and i think that by really focusing on all that for the first episode it did make you feel more invested in these characters doing it right the second time right and i think they do a good job you know of having us and it's over the course of the episodes obviously but having us meet the family members i mean sort of the i would say the saddest moment is the little girl who's talking to tom and she just very matter-of-factly the way that kids do just ask who decides yeah, who decides who lives that and dies deep. Yeah. yeah that was deep that was a moment right there yeah well and uh angel just like myself we're both parents so of course yeah. that's the sort of thing that will always resonate a little bit more because you can just imagine you know you how know, the children are processing yeah. tragedy of and this, grief. like at this capacity yeah. mm-hmm. what were some of your thoughts about that sequence you know where we have the disaster happen and we sort of get to see the different ways that the families process it so I knew something major was going to yeah. happen because they spent a long time. Um, the camera sat on the families for such a bit. I, I knew something was going to happen that involved the family, like just a, a turn of events. And I knew that it was all a setup for this tragedy. And then afterwards, just seeing the hearing the cries when it burst into the air, just hearing the cries from that and then everyone, how they reacted. And I I also felt like the people that were directly involved um, were a little chill, like they knew something like this would happen. So they weren't as grief-stricken as the families, obviously, because they knew, you know, this is what you signed up for and this is a possibility. So I really felt, like, a little frustrated at how, you know, they were just kind of more calm. I I, I think that... 
potentially maybe from a directorial perspective or an actor perspective that they the magnitude of your responsibility if you were responsible for making that shift is to remain calm it's almost as if you don't you can't it's selfish of you to be upset when you have these family members that are really genuinely livid and terrified and don't comprehend what's happening. Like, I almost think that I can see, though, where in that situation you might feel obligated to try and remain calm because who else is going to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the fact that, you know, Tom, who we, that we it's established in the first episode that he was kicked off of this mission, mm-hmm. the yeah. particulars of which at this point were not really made privy to. It actually doesn't matter because but he still wants to talk to them because they're his crew, so they put him through on the phone to just say hi to them, which is a great moment when we get to know them. Mm-hmm. And he immediately rushes to the uh, company Vista, which is the one who is financing the mission. And ultimately, he tells the CEO, Laz, a very unique name, but it's just like, well, yeah, you have to talk to them. And she's, she doesn't want to because she doesn't know what to say. And it's like, well, that's the point, mm-hmm. that you don't know what to say. But just she to see you. She's socially awkward. Though. Very socially awkward. Yes. But just to see that the person in charge is dealing with it, too. And, yeah, you do, I don't think anybody's expecting her to have the perfect thing to say. But that just shows the kind of leader that he was slash is Mm -hmm. that you know he rushes there and he immediately says put the champagne away put the balloons away you know you know we have to you know keep the food obviously but this is not going to be a celebration and then he goes and finds her you know kind of bursts into the meeting and she's says what she's doing is important but it's of course nowhere near as important so i think it does a really good job to let us know the dynamic of tom haggerty and laz as well uh so you know they, they definitely pack a lot in sort of the beginning of, of this episode. Uh, yeah. I think what's great about this show in general, I know we've said that there is a lot of character development. That's obviously the emphasis sure. of the show. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's also extremely honest. I think that it, it shows, and what they're trying to show, at least I would interpret it, is human flaw. Yes. And I think that is a lot of what this show ends up being about is for... It, it's a setup for trying to identify perfect people for this impossible task. Yeah. And it just, like, the idiosyncrasies of all the characters, it just goes to show that, like, no one is perfect. perfect yeah. Right, and that comes into play in a couple episodes, which we'll talk yeah. about in a little bit, when they have to, of course, remove someone from the team to accommodate Tom being there. And in terms of dealing with the flaws of humanity, really, for lack of a better term, we sort of get reintroduced, well, we get introduced, but Tom is reacquainted with his daughter, Denise, who, you know, she comes home after the launch, because you can tell that they're estranged, and I think when it's on, I think she has every expectation that her dad is on the ship, mm-hmm. on, you know, whatever you want to call it, the rocket, the, the shuttle, mm-hmm. and I think when she realizes that he's still alive... Even though at this point in the series, she's still, you know, a little bit messed up, obviously. Uh, She realizes, I haven't talked to my dad in a while, but I think I need to go see him. Yeah. Uh, Talk a little bit about uh, sort of getting to know Denise when she first shows up, Angel. Um, So Denise, when she first shows up, um, I knew it was like it was so predictable. I knew she was struggling with addictions right off. Um, Just the way they had her physically appearing 
And um, I knew that it was a really strange relationship between the two. I knew there was love, but at first I couldn't really tell her relationship with him. I was trying to figure that part out when she first appeared because it didn't seem like a typical father-daughter relationship. And and then later on down the line, okay, I, I get it. This is his daughter. And she just didn't seem very comfortable in that space, like how she sat down at the table and yeah. she ate. It, it just didn't seem like I'm home, you know. She's definitely um, a part of the streets at this point. And um, I even wanted to back up a little bit. Um, Laz's character, after the rocket exploded, do you really think she was meaning to commit suicide when she stood in front of her Range Rover? And told it to go. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I think that that was, you know, evidence part. to just yeah her being very vulnerable, not knowing what to do, mm-hmm. and just like I can't handle this kind of responsibility. Mm-hmm. I I think it's sort of an interesting point because of the fact that. This is clearly, you know, this isn't leaps and bounds in the future, but this is a little bit in the future. There is technology that we don't have, but it's certainly simple enough that, oh, you tell your TV, you tell your phone, you know, it's, it's kind of like, on. it's kind of like having an, an Alexa for <laughs> yeah, everything, go, you know, stop. yeah, where it, you know, everything's go stop, you know, try again when he keeps getting the busy signal. Uh, so I think on some level, she probably knows that there's a safety mechanism built into the car. So uh, it's kind of like a Russian I, roulette. Yeah. Like, just to see like how stops, close is it going to get? Yeah, if it yeah. doesn't stop, then it's meant to be. But uh, yeah, no, I am actually glad you brought that up because that that is a very defining moment for you know where she's at. And then you know when that's over, clearly she's just like, all right, I gotta I gotta get back to work and taking care I, of this. I did not like her up until that point. I will admit, like yeah. then I saw the humanity because at first I thought, oh my gosh, she's so insensitive. And yeah. like just understanding her character now, like later on, you know, I've watched. Yeah, shows, you've watched but, the whole But series. just understanding where she came from and how she's evolved and, you know, she's she's finding herself um, maternally. She's finding herself. So I uh, think Bianca, that's important. What do you think uh, sort of both, uh, you know, the, these points that we're talking about about Laz as we see her in the first episode, you know, the very cold matter of fact, you know, at work, but then she gets home and, and allows sort of those walls to kind of come down a little bit. Yeah, I think this kind of harkens back to what I was saying about just the responsibility. And you mentioned you that word as well. I I really like her character because mm-hmm. I think she has the hardest job. Not, oh, she has the hardest job. She runs the space program. But she has the hardest job with trying to manage something that she's clearly not good at, which is people People, and something that she's very good at which is technology Mm -hmm. and trying to be not only is she in a room trying to work out all the mathematics of it but she has to be the one really encouraging everybody that they're doing the right thing and I, I think that's a a hard sell from somebody that knows they're not good with other people. Yeah. I mean, ultimately speaking of responsibility, she really has the most responsibility Mm. because everything that happens that might go wrong, well, it goes back to her. And when we find out sort of the, the cause of why this uh, tragic event happened, it, it's just 
crazy to think about sort of the the flukes and just how unpredictable you know really everything can be. So uh, we'll move on and talk about episode two in a moment. But first, Angel has a very important message for all of you. Hey, After Buzzers. Our network produces after shows for nearly all of your favorite TV shows, from dramas, reality TV, sci-fi, and more. There is no network that works harder to serve television fans. But we need your help. We're asking that you please subscribe to one or more of our YouTube channels. And by subscribing to our channel, YouTube will suggest content that's tailor-made for you. And you'll help AfterBuzz continue to grow. And if you're worried about those pesky notifications, don't be, because they're optional. So hit that subscribe button now for this channel and check out our AfterBuzz YouTube channels as well. Let us know you did so in the comments, and we'll thank you on the air. Now, for now, thanks for being the best fans and to help us be the ESPN of Talk TV. Thank you very much. And for those of you watching live, you can join us in the chat. But if you're watching the archive version of this, go ahead and leave comments either on the YouTube page or on iTunes. And when we do episodes five through eight next week, we'll uh, be happy to include some of your comments into our conversation. So episode two was called What's Needed, and it deals with this congressional hearing about what went wrong. And, you know, we see Laz testifying and really getting into it with uh, one of the senators who doesn't seem impressed, as she later says later, as she later says to Tom, not impressed by her argument about global warming, which mm-hmm. the, this being the near future, they project a little bit about there being the this idea of the eco-refugees, which is talked about sort of in the present day now, that, you know, just climate change will sort of dictate people living in places like Miami or on coasts are going to move need to move away from places like that. She even specifically says New Orleans. Yeah. Yes, yeah, right. that, about, the fact that they've yeah. spent so much money to keep New Orleans, you <laughs> mm-hmm. know, with a, a, a city that without any kind of help, probably, you know, a century ago would have ended up, you know, right Underwater. back down in the swamp. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like the uh, the Tulane University Library uh, has a basement level. And when it was first built, that was the the first floor. And then it ended up being underground and they had to do a lot of work. That's that'll <laughs> tell you just a little, a little bit history. about New Orleans. Yeah, a little yeah. bit about New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when they talk about the problems with what happened, you know, we all saw in the first episode, mm-hmm. they have the sort of good luck ritual with the quarter and they're passing it around. Uh, obviously, oh, no reason that you would think that anything of that of just like, oh, it's just a little ritual. Well, unfortunately, the quarter ends up somewhere it shouldn't be. And then it's demonstrated that it's just it basically acted as though somebody, you know, somebody shot at it because it moves so fast. Right. It's like a bullet. Mm-hmm. And it, that's really all it takes. You know, with the uh, Challenger tragedy in 1986, there was sort of a very simple mechanism that I, I remember from the time. It was something called the O-rings and it just got too cold. And during those congressional hearings, they were trying to sort of use a lot of science to talk over the head of everyone. And one of the senators, I don't remember who it was, he had one of the O-rings and he put mm-hmm. it in his glass of ice water and then he held it up and I was like, well, look what happens now. It got too cold. So you're able to just so simply look in that moment mm-hmm. and that's, that's sort of what happens here where it's just like, yeah, so this is such a fluke and it's completely unpredictable. And obviously if you're a senator who's approving money, billions of dollars to be spent on the space program, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a tough sell 
for you know constituents that you're going to have to tell like yeah we're going to spend a lot of your tax dollars on a space yeah. program where you know billions of dollars worth of work was undone by 25 cents yes, yes. so no uh, books for your school <laughs> that right part. exactly yeah. that was the point she made uh bianca talk a little bit about sort of that revelation which uh, definitely surprised me yeah i think As we talk about it, I'm honestly seeing so many metaphors, the storyline and the characters and the relationships. I just think that making it such a minuscule issue to have undone, like you said, all of this work, it's interesting because I think it goes back to what we were saying about the characters, like these little flaws that might impact everything. And it just goes to show how how just the smallest of problems can end up being something substantial. And I think as you go through the further episodes, you start to see these characters unravel from yeah. the smallest of problems as well. So I, I I think it was an interesting choice. And now again, saying like, oh my gosh, this whole show is a metaphor. <laughs> but <laughs> So I have two things. Yes. What was the bug reference for you guys? Like the evolution, the the oh, there's the sort B-roll. of that narration. Yeah, yeah, there's like a B-roll with bugs and yeah. you know procreation and yeah, and that factors into that? A, a point where you know where Denise is having friends over in the party and there's the guy she likes and we sort of hear it then too. Um, you know, I remember thinking about it when I was watching it and it was more like. Well, it'll all make sense in a little bit, and uh, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I got a payoff on that. In all honesty, what did it mean to you, Angel? Um, honestly, like I, I really didn't get it. I, I wasn't able to connect the dots. Um, it's a metaphor. Well, that's, I, gonna, right, that's just going to be my yeah. answer so, to everything. No. But what, what do you think, Bianca? That it's a metaphor for? I never that is to be determined, but... But you've um, seen to the end of the yeah, series. No, yeah, no I meant to be determined because I still haven't decided. But. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, sometimes you can certainly include something like that where it's up to the objectivity of the viewer. Mm. It's like, well, what do you think it means? How do you mm. think that relates to the story? I would say, I think it, in my mind, had something to do with... I, I think it all goes back to nature, like human nature, and goes back to the human flaws and talking about just like how simple it is and we try and complicate everything, which I think is an interesting perspective when you do a show that's about going to Mars. It's so complicated. I would have no idea how to even comprehend anything. I mean, I would just call Uber if I wanted to go to Mars. I figured they'd take care of it. It's not up to me. But then they make it about the characters. So you take a show about Mars, you make it about characters, Mm -hmm. and then you throw in some bugs, and the most (laughs) simple process, you know, the most simple evolution. It's just procreation. You die, you're reborn, you procreate. And I think it just, uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's something with that. I'm going to quote Lauren Hill because her concert was, what, yesterday or the day before. <laughs> it could all be so simple, but you'd rather make it hard. And that is one thing that stood out to me about um, Denise's character, um, Tom's daughter. Mm. She just made things so unnecessarily hard. Like, even with, like, her relationship with her dad, I feel like he was the coolest dad ever. He, like, kind of em- not embraced her addiction, but he tolerated, like, to a point where I couldn't even tell that he was mad when she came in high or drunk, you know. But we're getting a little 
Right, but it, yeah. there's there's still the moment, even in these first four episodes, where she's having the party and yeah. he sees marijuana there, and it's just more like, look, like, you have to you have to manage this. This is a problem, and he's you know so she's chill about it. He, yeah, I think I'm just going to assume that he's at a point where he knows that that's kind of how he has to be, mm-hmm. because if you're going to lecture her or tell her, you know, this is bad, you can't do this, any kind of any kind of reprimanding her for anything, it's not going to be effective. I think he has to sort of talk to her. It's like, well, let's talk about why this is happening. But again, you guys have seen, uh, you ladies have seen episodes five through eight. So I'm a little bit in the dark, but that's why I'm in the dark. So, uh, but since we're talking about Denise, in the second episode, (laughs) she begins working as a waitress and she wants to use her mother's tattoo studio downstairs. Mm -hmm. And you can see, you know, uh, Angel, you were talking about just how much, of Sean Penn's portrayal of Tom is in his face. It's just very, you know, you could tell he's like, yeah, we could get your space somewhere else. Boom. Like he doesn't want to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. And then he does realize though, we see him realize that like, you know, that's silly. Let's go down there. This Let's is deal good with this. for her. Yeah. She needs to, to get this out. Right. Which I think that's him being a good dad right there. Mm-hmm. And you know, his hesitancy to even go to Washington DC, much less stay in Washington DC. He, you know, really needs to check on her. He's worried about her, especially when he calls and he doesn't get a hold of her. Mm-hmm. And then he calls her, you know, and, and they do talk. So he feels comfortable staying. I feel like there's um, you guys are saying like he's such a good dad and he does seem like a really good dad. But it almost feels like he is trying to in these first four episodes overcompensate for something. And I mean, you look at the way that he is um, paternal to all of the now dead astronauts family members and the new astronauts that they introduce and he's so warm and knows exactly how to take care of them that he knows exactly what to do in all circumstances and with her he just seems so out of his comfort zone yeah and it's almost interesting yeah he's shy like he doesn't know what to do which i get if you have somebody with an addiction problem but it, it feels like in the first four episodes they are alluding to the there's something that needs to be explained to the viewer. Yeah, and also, I mean, you know, dealing with other people's emotions is one thing, mm-hmm. but when he has to interact with Denise, he has to process his own emotions, which clearly is something he's not particularly mm. interested in. Right. Uh, so, speaking sort of of that, you know, he gets flown to DC to testify, and then he realizes, like, yeah, I can't say what you want me to, but as he says to Laz he's going to handle it his way and we see him speak to those parents who were so upset and Mm -hmm. turned down the settlement and he just sort of talks to them and he shows them what their son got to experience and why it was so amazing and he understood that he you know that's going to be more effective than if he testifies and makes all the points there being able to at least get those parents to consider that this their their son you know of course he didn't want to die but he understood and it was worth the trade off to him mm-hmm. and it's worth the trade off for all the other aspiring astronauts to do that i think it, it shows to bianca's point how well he can interact with people you know just how much he understands them which laz would not have any of that sense for how to talk to them it would have probably just been can we offer them more money you yeah. know is that going to make them feel that much better twice as much money but don't are they going to feel understand twice as good? global warming yeah right yeah. exactly so uh, i thought it was interesting to sort of see tom you know I, I don't I don't mean work those parents and that he's like pulling a you know a con on them, but sort of interact with them and try and figure out how to help them through what is obviously a very difficult time. 
And then also simultaneously trying to keep his daughter at least relatively close to the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode ends with uh, Tom being offered the chance to command the next mission. Right. As, as with the tragedy in the first episode, not a particularly huge surprise <laughs> that uh, he's offered this. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, he feels like he needs to talk to Denise about that. So he's hesitant to make a decision. Uh, Angel, uh, what did you think sort of about that moment? Was it one that was you saw coming from a mile or possibly an episode away? About them offering him Offering the him being the position. commander, yeah. You know what? It was so implied um, when the first team was getting ready for takeoff. Um, the camera showed in his face that he was a little... I don't want to say bothered, but I can tell that he really wanted to be a part of that. Agreed, yeah. And he just felt like he was cut out of something that he was so passionate about. I I felt his passion for wanting to be in that moment and being with his team, which compelled him to call. And, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that had to have been, like, really hard for him. I'm sure they haven't had any contact with him since he was let go. Right. So that's why he so much wanted to talk to them before they went away. It's so humbling. The the position he took was so humbling um, to speak to them before takeoff. And I'm glad he did because, you know, their demise. Sure. But yeah. Uh, Bianca, uh, what do you think about sort of this idea that obviously it didn't take Tom long to realize, but obviously if he hadn't been kicked off the mission, well, he would have died. Yeah. So how difficult do you think that must be for literally anyone to try and process, <laughs> not just that character? You mean just processing? Processing the idea that, like, you know, if everything had gone according great. to plan, <laughs> I would be there, I would be dead as well, and just sort of like, well, I'm alive. Should I be? Should I even be alive? Shouldn't somebody somebody else's life have been spared because I would have been in their seat, you know? Mm. I feel like that's a very hard thing to process, mm-hmm. but not a very emotional guy. So he we don't really see that. He did say that, though. Right. Like, I he wish it that, was me it, instead. Yeah, yeah, he did say that. But sort of as, you know, as the first couple episodes go along, uh, sort of give us your thoughts about how anyone might process that. I mean, I think that you guys have kind of covered all of that, but I'll just reiterate that. Sure. Uh, yeah, of course, that would be, it's the question of life and death. That's what everybody, they say that's your most ultimate fear is the fear of death, even if you don't acknowledge it. But right. I think, interestingly enough, that for astronauts, from what I've gathered from the show, I don't know personally any astronauts. You don't know any astronauts. <laughs> no, but, hmm. okay. but from the portrayal <laughs> on the first, it almost is as if death is just the next step. Because mm-hmm. it's so, it feels so. They've seen the abyss. So they've accepted. seen the yeah. the size of the universe in a way that none of us can comprehend. Mm-hmm. I sort of felt like he almost had a strange longing to have been on the ship. I don't know. Like it was a burden, not in a negative way, but it almost felt in Sean Penn's portrayal that he felt burdened yeah. by his survival. Right, exactly. Because yeah. now, because it was such an obligation for him, mm-hmm. like just that role to lead his team. You know, yeah. it was such an obligation for him. And all of these characters, they sacrifice their personal lives, and the mission always comes first. first. It mm-hmm. always comes first for all of them. You see it reiterated through all the episodes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting that now he's sort of given a second opportunity to. I mend his relationship with his daughter. Maybe he sees it as a a gift from 
whomever you choose to believe in. But yeah, because obviously if he had died in the explosion, the story of his interaction as a, a father to his daughter would have that ending where it, it, it is very messy and it, mm. it's it's not where I think either of them would want it to be. No. So it's definitely seen, I would say, by both of them as a chance for you know at least a, a new start or at least let's let's try this again. And uh, yeah, I think that the show does a great job of, of exploring that. And that's the sort of reason why we were all talking via email before we started doing the show. It is very deliberately paced. It's very heavy on character development because this is the sort of thing that, well, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like a Marvel show with a bunch of fight scenes that you can comment on and, you know, a storyline with a villain. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's very thoughtful. And I think it, like I, I keep using the word deliberate, it really takes the time to sort of let all of this stuff breathe, which I think a story like this would not work as well as a movie. It would be very fast paced, oh, and uh, I don't, I don't know how quickly you would go through these four episodes. You know, you'd probably condense it to like a half an hour or something. So, uh, I, I like the fact that this thing. is a series. Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. Um, one more thing: Who is the guy with the dirty fingernails and the telephone with the quarter? What is that? Well, now you're making me realize that I don't know what that is. So. Yeah. But he talks about so that, actually. He talks about the that? quarters. No, 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 I did. Okay. But I, I, I keep expecting things to be revealed in the back end of the of the season. So when you <laughs> ask it, having seen it, I'm like, wait, that's not going to be explained either. But he talks about that. Doesn't he talk about that at one point? That's Bianca, alluding the, to season the quarters. two. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he talks about the quarters. Uh, and it was it was something about... You know, I, I wish I could remember what that was. It's funny. I took really detailed notes, but that didn't seem at like the it was very that's... beginning, yeah. though. Like after they kiss the quarter, yeah. we see the quarter is being put put into a slot, turned, going through the process of going down into a bunch of other quarters, and it literally shows that scene maybe two other times. Yeah. And just from the whole season, I see it at least three or four times. Well, I would, to I would that. say, uh, using Bianca's favorite word, it is indeed a metaphor. Like the bugs. <laughs> the quarters. No, the this quarters guy is going, an actual but, character. But the quarters, yes, the guy with the quarters, but the quarters are actually the focus of the scene, I would right. say. Yeah, and they go in to the mix with all the other quarters, and it is all just as random as the bugs. Mm. You know, I think that it's working on that level. Now, it could mean anything you want, which is the nice thing about anything that's a metaphor. You're like, no, it means something different to me. <laughs> but that's that's kind of my interpretation of it. If anybody uh, watching this show, whether you're watching live or the archive Please version, comment. tell us yeah. what's with the bugs, tell what's me. with the quarters. Yes, we'll, let me know. We'll tweet that out after the show. We want your thoughts on the bugs and the quarters. We want to know what you think about the show it's on the whole. It's bothering me. Maybe it has something to do with... Again, I say it's a hard maybe for me. Maybe <laughs> it has something to do with the quarter being the cause of the, the cause of the explosion. Yeah. Well, and just how and random that is. Just, yeah, how random it is. And how, again, going back to I love metaphors metaphor. and <laughs> no, but simplicity. Yeah. And just talking again about how there's thousands, millions of quarters, and that was the downfall as one. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, they obviously, those sort of things are designed to highlight the actual story that we're getting throughout the course of each episode. Let's move on to episode three, which is uh, very heavily deals with something that we alluded to early in the show, which is 
Tom's back in charge as the commander. Mm-hmm. Kayla completely understands that's you know that's what happens when you're in the military. Mm-hmm. People above you, above your pay grade, make these decisions. Sometimes someone's more qualified. You just deal with it. And then this issue comes up: should they replace Nick, who essentially is was designed as a secondary commander, Rookie. but now he's the third commander. So it's a, seen as a little redundant. And Sadie we get to know as this brilliant scientific mind who we see sort of the, a flashback to when Kayla first sits down with her that there's actually nobody better than her at understanding this kind of stuff. And they obviously spend a lot of time for Sadie trying to sort of get some as much of her knowledge into Nick as possible. Uh, what do you think, Bianca, about putting... Kayla in this, this this situation where, you know, Tom and she just seem to fundamentally disagree with who should be removed from the mission. I think hmm, I have mixed emotions about this because okay. I understand Tom's perspective that they train them diligently to make one choice in any given set of circumstances. That's what they're doing. Um, But I also see Kayla's choice because, first of all, it obviously makes sense to, if you you get one shot at this, you have to have as diverse a portfolio of people there as possible. And what's the purpose of sending three commanders, like you said? But then I think as it's revealed a little more in episode three and episode four, I'm not going to go too far. <laughs> right, not but episode how, five. That's yeah, next no, week. But how Kayla it was very proud of being um, a female commander of color. And I think that you start to understand that her motivation might also be because Sadie is a woman. A woman. Sure. And I I don't know if a maybe... A qualified uh, woman. She okay. is qualified. So I think it's you see this kind of battle where you get the male perspective mm. of efficiency is the way to go. And then you get the female perspective of being more sensitive to just human nature and what's a smarter choice. I don't know if that made sense entirely. Right. Well, it they, almost seemed like a gender war to me. Yeah. It was like I, the I guys think you're right. Versus yeah. The yeah. That was a metaphor in and of itself. I just, I, I really, I didn't understand why he was so resistant to Sadie. Like what reason did he well, have? To me, you know, he sort of watches, he, we see him rewatch the footage from that mm-hmm. training exercise when he doesn't leave Kayla behind and Nick is like, yeah, we got to leave her behind. And to me, that's like, why well, I, I don't, I don't think you should be so quick to leave your crew behind. And there's also a moment when we see, you know, when Sadie and Kayla do return several hours late, mm-hmm. Nick is also telling a story about another time that people didn't make it. And I thought that that was going to be the reveal where Tom is like, oh, You're yeah, a he's, bad guy. he's really too quick to <laughs> yeah, leave like, people behind. I didn't want to go to space yeah. with yeah, him. Yeah, he's like, I, is he going to leave me behind? No, thanks. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's where that was going. But he, he still seems adamant that this guy has the right amount of experience uh, and the fact that Sadie is this brilliant mind. Uh, she and look, it's not. We're not trying to portray Nick as an idiot. He's just he's not. You know, she's like the one person who understands this On the way she does. Earth. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe in Mars, people understand better. <laughs> but uh, you know, so to to leave her behind 
uh, I think you can see why it's so frustrating for Kayla. And it is unfortunate that Laz puts her in the situation where she's like, well, I want you to tell me what you think. And she's like, what, outside of the chain of command? It exists for a reason. That you removed me from. Yeah, that you removed me from, which was nice Mm -hmm. because you get to see her frustration. And she ends up so angry at herself, which I think is just, you know... A wonderfully done episode for her. Just the, she, the she amount of emotion. She was such a beautiful soul. Like yeah. just the fact that her ethics was still on point. Like no, um, I'm not going to give you what you want because I I really felt like it was very manipulative of last to even put her in that position. So I wasn't for that. But you know they always say that the nice finishes last. So that was what that was to me. They uh, wanted her to not only be demoted. But, like, they wanted to milk her from, like, still mm. put her in a position of authority, but not give her the credit. So. Right. I mean, essentially, you know, just basically being to Claude for a, a, back, a lack of a better metaphor. Uh, you know, just you're in a position of power, but you actually don't have any real yeah, power anymore. it's the glass ceiling. You can see it, but you can't, <laughs> you can't touch actually it. touch yeah. it. Yeah. Don't touch it now. And you're again, a woman. that actress's name, Lisa Gay <laughs> Hamilton, does a great job sort of as she struggles with these and some great interaction with her and her partner when she goes home mm-hmm. and, you know, she's like sanding a, 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 wood, a wood table, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she just immediately just starts like... Just like, hey, what are you doing? You're going to ruin my table. So let's talk about it. You and see I just, how strong she is? Yeah. Wow. She could have ruined She's an astronaut. Table. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, I definitely like seeing that, again, the key to the show being character development. I think that this is some great character development. And uh, I find it to be, uh, I don't know, I found this to be sort of an interesting thing that also carries over into the fourth episode. And I'll assume the second half, but I don't know because I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> uh, so we're dealing with that in episode three. And before we move to episode four, uh, episode three does have this this party scene that we've referenced where Denise brings some of her co- co-workers home. Including this guy named Finn, hmm. who he's yeah. got he's got the weed, <laughs> and you know there's the moment where she's like, "Well, I really like this guy," mm. and uh, you know she's like, "Oh no, it's cool. You can I, I can handle it," but at the same time, there's sort of a, a nice portrayal uh, where it's like, is she overcome by the inability to resist kissing this guy Finn, or is it just because there is some really good smoke in that mouth that I just want to try and get a little of that because it'll make I was feel getting better. I thought that she was going to charge off of his smoke like, yeah, she was yeah. like more turned on by the idea yeah. of, of getting high than like, actually making out with her this about guy. to go for a charge okay <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting also because at this point you don't really know what she's done you don't yeah. really know how I don't know what she's done I don't know her, the backstory yeah, yeah well, how mm-hmm. bad her addiction, addiction is. problem is or did sure. she did she have an addiction problem or did she do something else that was related to alcohol? They did say weed like yeah. earlier in the first or second episode. They they said weed, but she obviously is right, but, in a little but deeper she seems, than that. Yeah, she yeah. seems like something really awful happened. Mm-hmm. And right. you don't know. So then you you start to, I liked how they, they played a little bit with the danger of that scene. Like yeah. how how bad is this for her? Right, and we don't actually see in that scene because mm-hmm. Tom comes downstairs. I think everybody's got to go. Yeah, you know, and uh, she also is 
I, I felt really, I would feel so uncomfortable if my dad saw me making out with somebody and she was like cool as a cucumber about it. I think she just had to be. But you know what? <laughs> we were sort of talking about Laz and having the, the car, you know, kind of knowing that it was going to stop. Mm-hmm. If Denise really trusted herself to not get into any real trouble, maybe she would have gone somewhere other than her house where she knows her father's upstairs. Mm-hmm. That if things got out of hand, she would still be okay. Still be That's okay. a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, one other key thing that happens here is this realization that the very uh, sexily named the Mars Ascent Vehicle, which is on Mars, it's not transmitting, so they're concerned that it might not be operational when the crew gets to Mars. The problem with that being, that's how they get home. Yeah. So it'd be it would be a one way trip without that, and then that turns into problems because. That you gotta you gotta talk to the senators again. You gotta talk to the president, who's not more interested. Funding, in spend, more funding. Yeah, well, the president didn't want to spend any money. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also a terrible PR position to say we've yeah. already lost. What was it? Five astronauts, and yeah. now we might and willingly lose just send five, five more. more. Yeah. 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 Uh, and you know, I think uh, you know, Laz tries to. Uh, can we keep this quiet for a little while? And uh, you know. Tries to create a situation there. Rightfully because, so. Yeah, because she's just like, we got to figure out how to kind of spin this. the yeah. first mishap. Yeah. So uh, in our final minutes here, we're going to speak about episode four. And this carries through a lot of the, the themes and storylines that we were talking about in episode mm-hmm. three. Episode four is called Where Life Is. And the crew is is training, and that's the interaction where Laz tries to get Kayla's thought about Nick versus Sadie. Mm. And... Uh, we get to see a lot of Sadie at home and just sort of her interaction and uh, with her husband and just some of the reasons, the excuses she's giving about not wanting to become a parent, but yet pretending that she yeah. wants to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, some very deep character work there, which I found uh, to be very well handled by uh, everyone involved. Uh, Angel, what did you think about sort of getting to see Sadie's home life? You know, not something that we necessarily expected these scenes when we signed up for a show about, uh, and by I, by we, I mean we as an audience, mm-hmm. signed up for a show about being the first people to go to Mars. So did you guys have the same thought process I did um, when her and her husband were at the table with friends? They mm-hmm. had like a get together. Yes. Right. You thought that that was Aiko's husband, did you not? Uh, I don't know no. that I thought that. Because I felt- of the whole how did you propose story. Yeah. And then he was, I guess, trying trying to be funny. Yes. And made it like Aiko was his bride-to-be. And so I, for a second, I really did think that Aiko was his wife. And sure. And I didn't realize until later on. And then obviously they still do with the whole sex scene. But, um... Yeah, I signed, sealed, (laughs) delivered that one. Yeah, Yeah, they just seem to have a very vanilla connection. I didn't see any stars and rockets between this couple. Did you guys? Go ahead. I was just going to say that I think... I can see where they originally got together. The the trickle of romance between the two of them and the love for when he's retelling the story. You can see that she genuinely cares for this person and their personal relationship. Mm-hmm. But again, with all of the astronauts, they all time and time again talk about how the mission is first. The mission is first. It's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And she's just been told she can't go. So I think that you see the weight of that 
realization not only weighing on her but weighing on her family which is her husband yeah she she knew deep down didn't want to give up right everything thank god just yeah (laughs) yeah i i i I like the two of them i think again what i really like about the show is just how honest it is and i think that their relationship is very honest and i think that we're seeing it at a point where their relationship is certainly strained Mm -hmm. because she's got the pressure of initially oh i'm gonna you know be gone for a year and a half Mm -hmm. well i'm gonna be on mars for a year and a half i think that the actual three years three years Yeah. yeah so she's gonna be gone for three years no, I don't want to get pregnant. There's a chance I might still go. Yes. And she is, as we're saying, holding out hope uh, that she is going to still get to go for some reason. And I, I think that that puts, you know, just tremendous pressure. You know, anybody who's been in, whether you've been married or not, just any relationship, just the pressures of daily life sometimes can weigh on you so much that you're, you're not even remotely angry at the person that you're with. Mm-hmm. It just somehow manifests itself that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's some of what we're seeing. And their willingness to sit and talk about it for as long as they do, however long that is with, you know, time-lapse editing. Uh, I think it is – it's just some very – like I said, some very interesting uh, character development. What I really liked about that dinner scene really quickly is just yeah. um, how they had pretty much all of the astronauts and their significant others in the same space, including Mateo, who they don't talk about a lot, but he has a new girlfriend. A yeah. Yeah, yes. he has Sick a new girlfriend. And I liked the juxtaposition of all of these people who have been burdened by their spouse's choice for years oh, yeah. versus her and her optimism and the like love that she, like, she was so excited and happy yeah. and, and smitten and... just. Just imagine getting into a new relationship yeah. with someone who is like, oh, so I'm going to be in space for three years. But yeah. this is good. This thing we've got, right? Yeah. We should keep that going while I'm on Mars. But that's like <laughs> any relationship. That's like a long distance. It's a it's real exceptionally long, long, long distance, distance relationship. Yeah. And you're but like, we can happens. do it. Yeah. You know? That is so, yeah. like, like you said, it's very <laughs> honest because it does happen in real life. Like time is like the worst. Like mm. when things happen, it's never the right time. Yeah. Especially when it's good. Yeah. So uh, in our uh, final minutes, we should talk a little bit about the fact that uh, Tom and Ellen, who is the wife of the late commander of the oh, Providence yeah. one, they get together. Uh, Denise doesn't seem to take it well. Oh, <laughs> Definitely not acting up to whatever age she is. She feels you feel like she's like a 10 year old kid is here. Like, what are you doing in my bratty. house? Yeah. Yeah. She was uh, very bratty. V- yeah. And it, it's, it's more that she's upset that she was in the art studio, I think, more than the fact that he slept with her, you know? It's like, hey, that's my special place. It reminds me of my mom. Why are you in here commenting Mm -hmm. on my work? Like, that seemed to be when she actually got angry. Okay. And then... Uh, Ellen just leaves, but obviously, just her being there already bothered her. But she's like, oh, "I'm going to play." Her body role. language when she walked in and she already realized there was a woman there. I feel like that was alluding to her like not accepting what this could possibly be. Like when I think she he, walked in and saw. Yeah. And they also ha- haven't clarified what happened to the mom. It's yes. it's very right. just you get the impression. I mean, I don't know. Ominous. I don't know what happens in episodes five through eight, but. Th- my impression is that she she drowned or she went missing and they weren't sure where to look for her. What but made I, you think that? Because they went to the they talked about the river and uh, yeah. she kept looking at the river oh, okay. and they talked about how she was missing initially. But that's yeah. what me piecing together from four episodes. Yeah, but you don't like you don't really know. And yeah. it, it, there is this 
air of it doesn't feel like oh there it was just an accident. Right. It, it feels like there was some backstory to it. Right. And so the the realization that there's a woman in there now, I think it piques your curiosity. What did you think that whole like her drawing her mom and like modifying it so much? What what did that symbolize to you? Uh, I think. You know, for me, that says something about, you know, sure, she wants to remember her mom, but I think that the modifications are more about maybe changes in herself, seeing the world differently, and maybe just thinking differently about uh, her mother. But what did you think that meant, Angel? I think it meant, like, how she went through these different emotions, and even uh, Tom's character, um, Tom, how he felt about what she did, like how she died. Uh, not going to get into that, but there was love at like she wanted to draw her mom. She misses her mom. But then when she was feeling dark, like you left me, I saw the dark colors coming out, the pronounced cheekbones she was making, like the sure. really dark, gloomy colors coming out. And she, she would wipe it away like very um, aggressively. And so it just made me think she was using that as a palette for her feelings for her mom. What did you think about that, Bianca? I think that feels like a pretty accurate representation of what it was in my mind. I think also because they do have this this strange relationship, Tom and Denise. It's it's loving, but it's cold and it's it's concerned, but it's distant. It's this kind of it's like when you're forced to live with somebody that you can't really stand, it's but you have to make, but you have to do a, the best. A roommate situation, or possibly people who have siblings, all feel that yeah. way at some point in their life. Yeah, so I think that painting for her is her outlet. That's mm-hmm. the. Uh, we really got about a minute left, so I wanted to touch on the last couple key things in episode four. Uh, which is Laz visiting Denise at her bar, which just, I don't know how that seemed like a good idea. Probably someone who doesn't know how to Mm -hmm. interact with people thought that was a good idea. And look, it comes from a good place. Like, I'll help you while your father's away. And she's like, "Uh, I don't need your help. Uh, And then also there's the moment where Laz realizes that she thinks she has a solution to fix the issues with the Mars Ascent vehicle, which brings us to the end of episode four. But I wanted to give each of you sort of a moment to comment on those interactions, you know, Laz with Denise and then Laz coming up with this uh, solution. Angel, uh, you first. So Laz with Denise, um, I'll speak on just that part and then you can do the other Great. part. Sure. So um, I thought she this was her way of trying to come out of her shell and be more maternal and more nurturing um, and concerned, but at the same time, she's trying to seal the deal with the dad. Like, I need your dad to come. I need him to be on board. So you need to be okay because mm-hmm. if you're not okay, he's not gonna come. My mission is not going to happen. So I really felt like, even though it was developing her character in a nurturing way, it was also a little selfish to me personally. And yeah. what did you think, Bianca? I think that this is an exciting moment for this character because you, up until this point, are kind of like, I mean, I know she's smart, but why is she in charge? (laughs) And then you see, no, she's brilliant. She's she's the one who has all the answers. And you see her commitment because you see Mm -hmm. she's outside at home working still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's like an Elon Musk or a Steve Jobs. Yeah, when when they've shown that the other astronauts that they live their lives still, you know, they go to bars, they drink with each other. She's at home by the pool trying to figure this. 
this out. Yes. Yeah, so I think it. I think it's inspiring for her as a character. You start to see like her redeeming qualities. Well, we will uh, pick up right from there next week when we cover episodes five through eight. It'll be uh, also next Tuesday at 2 Pacific, which is 5 Eastern. But you can always check out the archived version on YouTube and on iTunes. So make sure you watch the second half of the season like I will. And uh, we'll be right back here. Uh, until then, you can keep in touch with us on social media. I'm at Christian DMZ on Twitter and Instagram. And Bianca, where do people find you? At Bianca Hayes, like race. And you can find me at Angel Taylor underscore. Great. Thanks so much. Uh, lovely speaking with both of you. I look forward to talking about the rest of the season. And thanks to everybody who watched. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 world and we're the only destination for all your favorite tv shows whatever you crave we've got it so go to afterbuzztv.com and check out our lineup buzz you later <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of afterbuzz tv or its owners or principals